Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast, an exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back, virtual family. How are you? I hope you're doing well. We are episode number 14. Oh, snaps. We are at chapter two, text number 57. Thank you so much for following along. If you want to get to know us a little bit more on a deeper level, please follow us on Instagram. What's our handle? Modern Yogi Podcast, at Modern Yogi Podcast. On Instagram. And if you have any questions, we can also answer any questions Please send us a DM. We're happy to hear your questions, happy to answer them. Beautiful. Should we do the invocation prayers? Oh, no, no. Before that, what happened? Where do we leave off? We're on a battlefield. Oh, very quickly. (laughs) Yes, yes. Basically, so now Arjuna is taking the position of, okay, okay, Krishna, you're talking about this transcendental person, someone who's doing bhakti yoga. What does he look like? How does he talk? How does he walk? And now Krishna... Krishna is explaining what that person looks like and how they act and And how they think. Basically, if we give him our love, all the good qualities that we're aspiring for will follow. I don't have to try to be this and that and that. I just have to give him my love and everything comes. All right. Invocation, ladies. Om Jnana Timirandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Shakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha Translation, I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances onto him. Beautiful. Let's take it away, Priya. Text 57. 57. In the material world, one who is unaffected by whatever good or evil he may obtain, neither praising it nor despising it, is firmly fixed in perfect knowledge. Beautiful. Right. Because in the material world, as the purport says, there's always going to be upheaval. So as long as one's in the material world, there's always going to be the possibility of good and evil because this world is just, is all that duality. You could be on the way to work, you're carrying your briefcase and a bird poops on your shoulder. <laughs> Shama, you have some rotten luck, do you? You know, it's happened to me a couple times. It's happened to me a couple times. And if you can walk throughout your day and be like, huh. Maybe it was good luck, you know, or maybe, you know, maybe it was good. Maybe it was bad. Who really knows, right? right? If you can be equipoise when good things or bad things happen to you, that is the essence of practicing transcendence and bhakti yoga. So this, these are the qualities of a person who is practicing bhakti yoga, right? So like this is kind of a checklist we're building for ourselves. Yeah? Yes. Right. So whether there's good things that happen or bad mm. things. Just, you know, you don't praise it or despise it, right? That's another thing. Because a lot of us express grief or express extreme emotions. But if you if you just like, all right, if it's it's equipoise, if you become equipoise, Bam. that's the name of the game. Right, because even if a bird, is, bird isn't pooping on your bag, your your internal mental bird is going to be pooping all over your mind. So text 58 <laughs> is about, <laughs> about to deal with the senses. <laughs> yeah, the what? mind is our worst enemy, right? You might yes, have the best day. Just a really funny analogy. That's awesome. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah. All right. Text number 58. One who is able to withdraw his senses from sense objects as the tortoise draws its limbs within the shell is firmly fixed in perfect consciousness. Mm. So it says the test of a yogi, devotee or self-realized soul is that he is able to control the senses according to his plan. Most people, however, are servants of the senses and are thus directed by the dictations of the senses. That's what we said earlier about yes. the servants of either, as Priya said, CEO, someone else, or Our this is mind. servants, as I said, of the mind. You're servants of everything. But I just want to say this is really cool. I think you can correct me if I'm wrong. This is the first time we're seeing the word yogi. 
Oh, as in the modern nice. yogi podcast. The modern yogi podcast. So what are we attaining? Why is it called a modern yogi? Because we are working in this bhakti philosophy. We're learning how to become these yogis in a sense, right? right. Have We're you ever heard of the phrase like, be in this world, but not of this world? Right. Yes. I think that's the perfect analogy mm. for this verse. Indeed. Right? Indeed. Right. And they say the senses are like a venomous serpent. They want to act loose and without restriction. But the yogi or the devotee must be very strong to control the serpents like a snake charmer. I love that. And there's one line that says, Arjuna is being taught here to use his senses for the service of the Lord instead of for his own satisfaction. Mm. And a lot of times we're just doing things for our own satisfaction, right? And so this is a really, really big lesson for Arjuna. And it's also a really, really big lesson for us as well. Yeah. It also says, unless one is able to follow the do's and do nots, restricting oneself from sense enjoyment, it is not possible to be firmly fixed in Krishna consciousness. Mm. So I think like at least, you know, this is do's or do not. For the previous one, it was like not be praising or despising good or evil, right? Like these are the do's or do nots. If we try to work on these, if we cannot figure out how to work on this, we can't really work on our Krishna consciousness. So yes. It's like checklist, checklist right, before right. we get to the full. There's a lot of checklists at the end of chapter two. I, I love it. The analogy of the tortoise, keep your senses within, engaged in trying to serve the Lord. All righty, text 59. Yes, let's do it. Is that Shamla or is that me? That's you. That's ah, you. Nice, that. <laughs> Though the embodied soul may be restricted from sense enjoyment, the taste for sense objects remains. Mm, but seizing such engagements by experiencing a higher taste, he is fixed in consciousness. So this is, I love this. Yeah, it, it, this is super relatable, right? Because we might be on a spiritual path. We might be on a spiritual journey. It doesn't mean there's not going to be temptations. It's not going right. to be like mm. you're, the lingeringness for wanting to to taste things and see things and right. hear things. Like we're human beings. It's going right. to be hard. We're going to have that, that we have a material body. So naturally we're going to want to please our senses. That's not going to go away. They're just saying to dovetail it, as we, as we had explained, to something higher because when you get a higher taste you no longer want the cheap deal yeah yeah and I, like when I was a, like a teenager, like we, I used to go clubbing a lot, you know what <laughs> I mean? And like, and like when I started going into the temple, no one said, stop going clubbing. Nobody, <laughs> nobody restricted anything, but they just said, chant more. So maybe um, at the club, you're like, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's, it's dovetailing, right? But it's also like, no one told me not to go to the club or go to any dance parties or whatnot, but they did said they just said chant a little bit more, right? Engage yeah. in a little bit more devotional service because when you become on a spiritual path, it, it'll your your tastes for these other things will naturally, naturally. decrease. Right. Yes, you know, yes, there's yes, down yes. here a line that is that exactly what we just said, Shama. One who has tasted the beauty of the Supreme Lord Krishna in the course of his advancement in Krishna consciousness no longer has a taste for dead material things because that's truly what they feel like. Spiritual life is new, ever changing, and amazingly vibrant. I yeah. I eventually I didn't need the <laughs> I needed my life again. Right, right. Right before that it says actually that uh like the for for people who might not be aware about Krishna consciousness and these processes, some of the things that would actually help sense enjoyment is actually doing hatha yoga. So like yoga poses and like right. trying to control the mind. Breathing. So those are like the, like the preliminary super, steps. Exactly. Preliminary. Like it's good yes. for your body. It's good for your mind. But then further beyond that, we is could just Krishna take a leap to the top of the stairs rather than breathing. How much will that engage our senses? You're breathing, you're breathing, your <laughs> mind will still wander. But then when you have a taste for 
Krishna and his love is like, ah, oh, wow. This yeah. is but awesome. it does help though, right? It does yeah. help. It does help. And also I just wanted to say, Shamali said breathing and breathing. We have to breathe. What she means is uh, <laughs> pranayam is a practice in which we like control our breaths and like that centers our mind. So that's one of the practices that you could potentially do. Right. If you are trying to work on a preliminary So basis. don't stop breathing, but just like if you close your eyes <laughs> and your main goal is just to breathe for an hour and a half, it's like, oh boy, I'm a little bored. Yeah. For some people. And for, for some, some people, it's the first stage, the mm-hmm. stepping That's stone true. for That's Krishna true. consciousness. I do think like meditation is important and breathing That's exercise true. are important. Yoga. It is just the fir- first step, as you said, Priya. Yeah. 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 Text 60? Yes. The senses are so strong and impetuous. 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 Thank you so much. <laughs> I, I saw it. I read it's it. Hard work. <laughs> impetuous. Okay, let me try that again. Yeah, the yeah. senses are so strong and impetuous. Oh, Arjuna, that they forcibly carry away the mind, even of a man in of discrimination who is endeavoring to control them. Right, right. Because it gives a little more clarity when it says in the purport, there are so many learned sages, philosophers, transcendentalists who tried to conquer the senses. But in spite of their endeavors, even the greatest of them sometimes fall victim to material sense enjoyment due to the agitated mind. It, it's the so mind. It's so strong, right? I was craving a sm- cinnamon bun this morning because I saw a <laughs> billboard for it. And like the whole day I was like, cinnamon bun, cinnamon bun, <laughs> Right. Even during bun. this podcast, I'm like, when can I get that cinnamon? <laughs> bun, right? It's so hard to because like my that's right. my taste, right? It's like so hard to control, you know, the the sense of hearing or seeing or tasting. Mm. You know, I bring it to the breathing example. It is so important to slow down and breathe. But if that if that were the end goal, it feels a little empty. Then yes. just em- clearing your mind for the sake of clearing it mm. is so. It's like controlling the wind. You can't. You need to have a higher taste or love that replaces it. Yeah, which is uh, a reason why I love. Krishna consciousness mm-hmm. is because of the practices that we do and yeah. especially the chanting that it's we previously so talked giving. about. It is a very active, engaged participation thing that you can do that also cleanses your heart and it helps you become mm-hmm. a better person. So like chanting, dancing, singing, all of that, it's like wonderful to have as a practice. And the thing is like chanting, right? And you see it in a lot of different spiritual paths. It's like actually chanting the names of God on beads, right? We see it in Mm. Islam. We see it in Christianity. We see it in Krishna consciousness as well, right? And what's great about chanting is like you're chanting, you're engaging a lot of your senses, right? Because when you chant, you audibly say the names of God, which engages your sense of hearing. You're touching the beads, Mm. which engages your sense of touch, right? You're you're speaking, right? And so it's, 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 it's easier than just sitting like what you said, Jamali, is just like sitting in a forest somewhere and trying to breathe and trying to focus on nothing. Like, it's think impossible. of nothing now. Uh, it's impossible to sit right. there and think of nothing, right? Think of nothing. Tell that to a woman and see what happens. I know, that's true. That's true. <laughs> like they say, men have the nothing box, but women, we do not. We have just a bunch of connections, uh, neurons. So maybe men have a, a, what is it called? A leg up in this case. Yeah, maybe. Can, well, maybe uh, as far as hatha <laughs> yoga goes, but hello, okay, okay. It's true. How many, how many thoughts do we think got in a typical day right 60,000 right but men I think it's a lot it's like it's like get up go to work Take a shower, right, take a poop, right. go to sleep, do it all. Like, it's like five thoughts. It's like five thoughts. Our producer is looking at us like, oh, Our producer is giving us like, oh, stink oh, <laughs> All right, you text, text 61, Shama. All right, one who restrains his senses, keeping them under full control, and fixes his consciousness upon me, is known as a man of steady intelligence. 
beautiful. And here again, we see mm-hmm. the word yoga pop up. Right. Now that we've laid the grounds, as Priya said, we gave the checklist. Now we're going to start to introduce yoga. It's the highest conception of yoga, this perfection in Krishna consciousness, which is explained in this verse. And unless one's, one is Krishna conscious, you cannot control the senses. So there's a quick story here. Um, and I, I relate to it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but basically there, um, there are two people. One is, um, Durvasa Muni. So maybe we just call him Muni. Like a great sage. Yes. He's a great sage. Muni. And that's what Muni means. Got it. And then he picked a fight with Maharaj Ambarish. A great king. Yes. So a so great you have, sage like, the and sage, a great king. The spiritualist, the king, the quote unquote, Oh, involved in material affairs, right? So the sage and the On the outside. Exactly. Sure, exactly. So um, Durvasamuni unnecessarily became angry out of pride and therefore could not check his senses. On the other hand, the king, although not as powerful as a, a yogi as the sage, but a devotee of the Lord, silently tolerated all of the sage's injustices and thereby emerged victorious. Right. So why was he able to engage or to control his senses, Priya? Because he had the knowledge and love for Krishna. Yes. Yeah. Back to the back to the equation, knowledge yeah. plus devotion. And I see. I think it relates in a everyday life. Um, I've been in situations where I felt so frustrated, or I mean, any of you have been in a fight with someone. And how good does it feel? And I know this is not the same level, but how good does it feel to be the bigger right, person? Oh, I, I was about to say, to smash them. <laughs> right, quite right. the opposite. Okay, quite to the be opposite. the bigger person. To be yes, the bigger yes, person, yes. right? And so I think in Krishna consciousness, we acquire some of the skills and some of the, the good qualities uh, to be able to listen and be tolerant and all these qualities. Right. So how do you fix your consciousness upon Krishna? It's like the king was doing things like talking about Krishna all the time mm. or in cleaning the temple of Krishna or hearing the pastimes of Krishna or seeing Krishna in the temple or smelling the flowers that were offered to Krishna. Right. That's how he kept his consciousness fixed on Krishna. And the more you learn about Krishna, he's just such a compelling personality that you just want to learn more. He's so lovable. And actually that reminds you of Shama Sangeeta. It reminds me of what you said before about the wax on, wax off Miyagi method yeah. of like, he's like smelling the flowers, cleaning the temple. How is this going to make the king a better person? Like he doesn't, as a person that has experienced being angry, I'm thinking like, what, cleaning the floor is going to make me be, right. no, but the reality reality is like there's something behind these methods that we grow humility right. gratitude like all these qualities come from the wax on wax off of smelling a flower cleaning the temple Engaging all these activities all of his senses exactly. in the service of Krishna exactly right I love this example in the purport it says as a blazing fire burns everything within a room the Lord situated in the heart of the yogi burns up all kinds of impurities Very Ooh, cool. that's wild that's a good one all righty. Text 62, I think. Yes. While contemplating the objects of the senses, a person develops attachment for them. And from such attachment, lust develops. And from lust, anger arises. Okay, Ooh. so these next two verses, right? It's like it's like when you are really, really attached to something, here is the process that we go through, right? So say say you like walk, like walk down the sidewalk and you see a Ferrari showroom, right? And it's like... <laughs> 
oh my God, the first thing that happens is a person develops attachment for something, right? So you're like, oh my God, wouldn't it be great if I had this Ferrari, right? And mm-hmm. it's like you develop this attachment and then from attachment, lust develops. And right. what are the symptoms of lust? Mm. You kind of, you just think about this thing or this all person the time. all the time, right? So all you're thinking is like Ferrari, Ferrari, Ferrari. And like, <laughs> but in a way of how can it serve me, right? Yeah, it's not exactly. pure. It's like, I want to look good in this. I or if it's a person, people. I want to enjoy this person. I want to enjoy this car. I want to, it's me, 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 me. And then when you realize you can't afford it, <laughs> anger arises, right? right? You're like, why can't I afford this? Mm. Like, why can I have this? I want this right now. I right. want to impress people driving it, right? So it's in this verse, it's like attachment, then lust, than anger. And I'm sure listeners uh, think in your own life, what what does that unfold in lust, atta- yeah, or attachment, lust, when, anger, right? Yeah. And mm. when you're really, really craving something, this is sort of the, 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 the rules that we go through, right? right? And here it says in the purport, the senses, they really require engagement. And if they're not engaged in transcendental loving service of the Lord, they're certainly going to seek engagement in the service of materialism. We need to be engaged in something. Which is what we see every day and with everyone, right? So when we don't know what to do with ourselves, we just buy food, buy things, buy clothes, just engage in materialism, which is... Right, because if we're not engaged in Krishna consciousness, we might artificially try to repress and control the senses, like push them down, but that's going to ultimately fail. It's so hard, yeah. Yeah, because the slightest thought of sense pleasure is going to totally agitate your mind. You need to... Higher taste. Right. So num- yeah. Number one, detach- uh, attachment. Number two, lust. And then number three, anger. Mm-hmm. Are we ready for the next verse? Yes. Yeah. Text 64. All right. From 63. So 63. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry, 63. sorry. 63. So, so this is a continuation of 62, right? right? So 63 says, from anger, complete delusion arises. And from delusion, mm. bewilderment of memory. And when memory is bewildered, intelligence mm. is lost. And when intelligence is lost, one falls down into the material pool. You know, there's even many scientific studies that show that when, like, when you're mentally imbalanced or a lot of strain intelligence or memory starts failing. So there's studies that show this is true. And these two part verses are breaking down the process. Yeah. And so going back to the Ferrari analogy, right? So we had the development of attachment, then we had the lust, then we had the anger when we realized we couldn't afford it. And then from anger, delusion arises where you're like, what if I steal the Ferrari? Oh my you God. Shama, what thoughts have you been having? It's true. We have these delusional yes. thoughts, yeah. right? Yes. Where we're like, oh my God, I want to do anything, yeah. anything to get the Ferrari. I can really late I love I've always had a dream of having a house mm-hmm. and uh, I look on Zillow and then I get angry because I cannot afford them because I live in California your husband and then, shaking <laughs> and then I go in like delusion and I'm like what if I just win a million dollars tomorrow I can yeah. buy the house and that's we delusion that. because it's like what are the realities of that happening right. right and I'm like but if I got a house I would use it for Krishna service but or still even, I'm in delusion yes. and I'm still in this cycle right you go guys on, have Shama. given examples of like if you don't get it but what about if someone like dreams of their dream wife whatever when I get this I'll be happy they get it they're lustful and they're still not happy then they're angry. So whether you do get it or don't mm. get it, you're still going to be angry. Yeah. It's a process that you have to go through. Right. And then after you, you know, we're like, I'm going to try to steal this Ferrari. <laughs> and then you forget, you bewildered a, mem- a memory. You forget that you're a spirit soul trying to develop a relationship right. with Krishna. Right? right. And then you lose all intelligence mm. as to like what you're supposed to be doing in this lifetime. And whether you even need that Ferrari. 
Yeah. Like what, what, where did that even thought come from? Like, you know, it's like you start, we're just kind of insatiable as people. We want more and more and more. But if we develop Krishna conscious, we can know that everything comes from the Lord and is used in his service. And therefore we don't become victims of material consciousness. And I love how it says victims because it's happening to us like it or not. Right. And whether it's a Ferrari or whether it's a cinnamon bun, right? We go through (laughs) this entire process when we're attached to material things. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, this again is describing uh, what to do and not to do uh, yeah. as we're becoming part of the process of Krishna consciousness. Another yeah? checklist, right? Bam, bam, bam. Beautiful. Okay. Text 64 now. But a person free from all attachment and aversion and able to control his senses through regulative principles of freedom can obtain the complete mercy of the Lord. Mm. Wow. That was a beautiful, succinct summary of the checklist, right? Yeah. Number one, Become free from attachments and aversions to the, to being to controlling it, uh, this world. So free from material attachments. We want to dovetail that to something more spiritual, and then we have to try to control our senses. But controlling our senses, how can we do it? If we engage them in the service, loving service of the Lord. Yeah, and it says it is already explained that one may externally control the senses by some artificial process, but unless the senses are engaged in the transcendental service of the Lord, there is every chance of a fall. So like being artificially saying like, I can just not eat as much is a temporary solution. You know, it's- it's, I'm above it all. I don't want anything of this world, but if, come on. I mean- It's hard. Yeah, so you cannot artificially- make yourself not be interested or attached or all these things. There's a process for a reason. Right. And I love this next line because it's such an internal state because it says, although the person in full Krishna consciousness may appear to be on the central plane. So I don't know, maybe on the outside, you might judge someone who's super elevated because they seem to be engaging in this world. But because of his being in Krishna consciousness, he has no attachment to sensual activity. So he's not attached to the good or the bad. He's fixed and trans all his... It says, therefore, he is transcendental to all attachment and detachment. He's just fixed on wanting to please the Lord's will. Mm. I love this this notion of like the last line of the verse says, can obtain the complete mercy of the Lord. Mm. And it's kind of that beautiful, like that's like God's grace in a way. It is God's grace, right? We can't control our mind and senses. We need some grace factor there. Yeah, I love that. A life of (laughs) grace. Anything else, guys, before we move on to 65? Just grateful to be here with you guys, trying to live a life of grace. I'm, tra- I'm grateful you <laughs> I'm too. So as grateful. Well. Really Aww. grateful. Hmm. All right, Shamali 65. All righty. For one thus satisfied in Krishna consciousness, the threefold miseries of material existence exist no longer. In such satisfied consciousness, one's intelligence is soon well established. Okay, oh, so I love this three, satisfied yeah. consciousness. That's, that's, <laughs> I love that, right? Because that's, isn't that what we're all looking for? How often for? are we satisfied and content in life? <laughs> Very temporarily for short periods yeah. of time. <laughs> so can we do a reminder Recap. of the threefold miseries again, right? right? These, yes. are, these are miseries that can A, be caused by the self, the self right? So our own brain creating all of these anxieties. Number the two. The bird pooping on our mind, the right? The bird pooping on our mind. There we go. Great <laughs> analogy. Number two is others. Um, miseries caused by other people, right? The mother-in-law. The mother-in-law. Who just <laughs> Judging crap, your lasagna. Craps on your lasagna all the time. Or the now actual bird on pooping it, on you. That's the someone else. <laughs> That's another thing, right? That's that, another someone else, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. And then the third one is like our natural environment, right? The things around us. I don't know things what. Things like uh, it rain on our wedding day. You know what I mean? Like yeah, we can't yeah, control yeah, yeah. that the stuff. Or tornadoes yeah. or like, you know, things like that. Tsunamis. And so... 
there's a lot of different miseries in our life, right? But if we can change our consciousness to be Krishna consciousness, it changes the whole game. Yeah, right. I think Prabhupada's like, I've said, I've said it all. There's no need for a purple there's here. No <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, there's, there's no purple. This, this is the first time we're seeing no purple. Yeah. Right. So. I mean, as we go wrapping up chapter two, it's just really repetition, repetition. Drive it in, drive it in. Understand because, this. Yeah. And I and I think to your point, Shamley, the reason why there's so much repetition in chapter two is because these are the hardest lessons to yeah. learn in life. Because we might hear it. But are we living it? Yeah. Are we practicing are it day we to processing day? Processing it deeply enough. Yeah. Or is it just we hear this podcast on Friday? Nice, very nice. I like that concept. Gonna go back to my real life. It's mm. not that spirituality is here and real life is here. You gotta merge the two. And 5,000 years ago, like Krishna knew, Krishna knew that we would forget this lesson over and over yeah. again. So he tried to hone in it as much as possible. And I love that. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Text 66, Priya. One who is not connected with the Supreme in Krishna consciousness can have neither transcendental intelligence nor a steady mind, without which there is no possibility of peace. And how can there be any happiness without peace? This is one of my Beautiful. favorite verses. Yeah. Why? You know why? Because it turns this whole notion of happiness on its head. We think materially, oh, I just want to be happy. I just mm. want to be happy. Mm. What are we striving for? Oh, it's happiness. But I think Krishna turns this whole notion of like something that we've been taught our entire lives is like trying to be happy. It's like, no, the game is actually trying to achieve peace. peace. Yeah. Right. Because you cannot have happiness without peace. I can I can actually attest to that. I, I think there there's levels, of course, but as a person who has a roof over her head and food uh, and all the like basic necessities of life, I can say that I'm not at peace. And that comes from my mind, from yeah. others, from nature right. and all these things that are plaguing me. And so this idea of peace actually sounds better than happiness. Oh, 100%. <laughs> right, because even yeah. if we get all the material necessities, our mind is so flaky. It's just going to be Everywhere. our best friend or our worst enemy. Exactly. So the mind really is the worst enemy and we're trying to kind yeah. of focus and train the mind to be our friend. So where do you guys find peace in your life? Like, can you give me an example of like where you're at a place, whether it's like on a hike or something, like where do you find your peace? Well, there's different levels of peace, right? You might feel a fleeting notion of peace, maybe. Well, I feel much peace connected to nature when yeah. I go yeah. alone I outside. can relate to that. I feel that you feel connected to God, but you can take it even deeper when you're practicing something that'll foster that connection yeah. to Krishna. I, I find it... Um, no, sorry, do you want to go for you? No, 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 go ahead. It's I okay. find it when I'm chanting by the water, actually. I was going to say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. The right? ocean. Yeah. And we're so, you know, we're so lucky that we have the beach here and it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. But it, there's so much peace. Yeah. yeah. And that feeling is better than any Amazon delivery. In the <laughs> I agree. Because the Amazon delivery is only happiness for five minutes. And then once I open the box and I realize I remember what I bought, and then I'm like, <laughs> oh, great. That was fantastic. Yeah. But that that peaceful feeling by like chanting by right. the ocean, like that is something that you can't put money on. Because you know what? As they say, anything that you put in your spiritual bank account is yours to keep forever. So that peaceful feeling that I've cultivated through spirituality will keep building. But a material feeling, it's fleeting. So yeah. if I get peace for a second, or I wouldn't even call it peace, F cheap happiness for a second from whatever material activity, it's gone the second it's arrived. Yeah. I can tell you that, um, for, for the last few years, I traveled a lot with my husband and I found myself like being antsy and anxious unless I was connected to Krishna in one mm -hmm. way or another. Mm -hmm. So like we went to this 
beautiful island and it was super peaceful. They're like, all you have to do is relax. But it right? felt empty, right? It felt like there was something missing. Like there's, I gotta be able to, no. And <laughs> and so, and what, how do I cope? Because it was a small place. Like there was not any devotee association. There was right. nothing I can do. And I know this might be maybe more particularly to me, but I'm just sharing. Yeah. And, and so I was like, okay, how can I make this a little bit spiritual for myself to feel at home? Because for some reason in my life, spirituality has made me feel at home. And so I, I, I went and picked some flowers mm. and I had a little picture of Krishna Aww. and I offered my little oh, flowers I and I and put a little bit of kirtan. And as soon as I did that, I was like, okay, now mm. I can be at peace. Yeah. Even though I'm in this beautiful, natural environment. You're like the happiest honeymoon donate, donate <laughs> context <laughs> on the flowers. Gorgeous. Krishna just says, side note, he says, if you offer me just some flowers or fruit, you know, he will remember you forever. And you did that. Yeah, yeah. I just... I, it, there's a there's a sense of even although nature gives me peace, mm-hmm. nature plus Krishna gives me further peace. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. there's something you know, and that's where I think you're saying like doing your japa or like chanting or anything like that. Right, right. I love that, and it's true. At, at the end of the day, the the verse says you need to have a steady mind, right? You need to have a steady mind in order to achieve that peace, and that is essentially the the name of the game here. Right mm-hmm. here, there's a part that says disturbance is due to want of an ultimate goal, and one is when one is certain that Krishna is the enjoyer, proprietor, and friend of everyone and everything, then can one with a steady mind finally bring peace. Mm. I love that. He's your deepest friend, right? And when we just ignore him, our source, how are we going to be peace? That's true. Something is missing. Yeah. And you know what I was going to say, Priya, I love your story because to me, it highlights the more we try to find happiness disconnected from our source, <laughs> the more miserable we are. Cause how many yeah. people go on like spring break, Europe, woo. Yeah. And then you get there and you're like, Oh, is this it? Yeah. I'm kind of depressed. This is it's- sad. And depression rates are rising. Suicide rates are rising. People are disconnected from their source. Therefore, every time I travel, I try to go to a temple oh. because it just kind of gives me that sense of like purpose and peace. Yeah. I feel it's like I chickens go. running with their heads cut off, right? Like, where do we go? What do we do? I can't see straight. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> anyway, 67. Let's do it. Shama. All right. As a strong wind sweeps away a boat on the water, even one of the roaming senses on which the mind focuses can carry away a man's intelligence. Right. This is, again, the concept that unless all of our senses are engaged yeah. in trying to serve the Lord, even if one of them is even not engaged, that's, that's right? even if one even is engaged one. in sense gratification, it can totally deviate a devotee from the path of transcendental advancement. Yeah. Um, one of my teachers told me, uh, so we talked about chanting and chanting in the personal level where you can do it with beats and stuff like that. It's called japa. Right. And so he told me like, when you're going to do japa, eat beforehand and like Mm. drink water and do all the necessities so that when you're chanting, you're not thinking, I'm so hungry. I'm so hungry. (laughs) I'm so hungry. You know, because the senses are so strong, they'll easily swayed you from whatever you are doing. And this is a practice you want to do with love. Right. That's a good point. And intention and like focus. Yeah. Even one. It's just like we're trying to have a conversation with Krishna there. It's our moment alone. Yeah, like Shama's been trying to do this podcast and she's still thinking about cinnamon rolls, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Now I'm thinking about even more. I'm so sorry. Text 68. Therefore, O mighty armed, 
So he's talking to Arjuna here. Mm. With so Arjuna. Krishna's talking to Arjuna? Arjuna has big arms. Okay, got it. <laughs> and a mustache. So he says, Therefore, O mighty armed, one whose senses are restrained from their objects is certainly of steady intelligence. Mm. I love that. In the purport, it says, as enemies are curbed by superior forces, the senses can similarly be curbed not by human endeavor. I think that's important. Again, not by any human endeavor, yes, that's true. but only by keeping them engaged in the service of the Lord. So that is like, it's really just mercy. If we're going to yeah. give Krishna love, we can't control the senses on our own. We need help. Yeah. And then it kind of brings back the spiritual master and yeah. it says only by Krishna consciousness is one really established in intelligence and that one should practice this art under the guidance of a, a bona fide spiritual master. Right. That makes you a candidate for liberation. Right, because it's kind of that concept in the invocation prayers. It's the spiritual master that's holding the torch of the light in a dark night, of leading knowledge. the way. Yes. And if, if this concept of spiritual master is like kind of hard for you to grasp, it's totally understandable because I remember reading the Gita and I was like, what's a spiritual master? What's a guru? How do I find one? Like, we'll talk about that throughout the rest of the Gita as well. And we'll actually like, as Shamli said, we'll go into our stories of how we found our gurus right. too. So I don't want this to like be daunting to anybody who mm. is like, I don't know. I don't have a guru. I don't know how to find him or her. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So That's don't many worry about steps that. away. Just yes. For now, I think just finding other like-minded people and reading with each other and learning with each other and then progressively you'll get to a point where you'll find someone will guide you to yeah. your spiritual because master. Because that did cause me a little bit of anxiety like years ago where I'm like, I don't know anything about a guru. I don't know any, how to find him or mm. how to locate him or her. Like, And so I don't want you to worry about because you have right. to have a little bit of faith. It's like when when the student is truly ready, that teacher does come up and you have to have that, that divine faith. And if you pray about it, there's a timing for everything. Work yeah. on yourself, controlling your mind, all those things. Mm. Alrighty, text 69, Priya. What is night for all beings is the time of awakening for the self-controlled. Mm. And the time of awakening for all beings is night for the in introspective sage. Oh, I love this. Now, here's, I love here's this. a question that I had with this. Is this a metaphor or is this like night and day? Like, pro <laughs> like what is Christian talking well, about? I think it's a metaphor because it explains it in the purport. But honestly, I see your confusion because such elevated sages like Prabhupada spent their night writing texts, yeah. studying, trying to give back. So... It is literal, but I think they're trying to say it as a metaphor. Let's okay. dive a second yes. into the purport. It Please. says, there are two classes of intelligent men. One is intelligent in material activities for sense gratification, while the other is introspective and awake to cultivate self-realization. So the activities of the introspective sage or thoughtful man are night for persons materially absorbed. Night as in quote unquote night. Right, because it says the introspective sage remains alert in the quote night of the materialistic men. The sage feels transcendental pleasure in the gradual advancement of spiritual culture. Oh. Shamli, if you had to explain this to like uh, Shamli and Priya, if you had to explain this to a seven-year-old, how would you explain it? Because like right. this is still something that I have trouble with this verse. No, yeah, I actually read it and I was like, oh my God, what is it saying? But I think maybe night refers to lack of knowledge. Yeah, darkness. Right? Like, yeah. The darkness of ignorance. Here they say being asleep because the next line says the man who is engaged in kind of material activity. So the guy who's totally disconnected from anything spiritual, it's as if he's asleep 
to self-realization and dreams of different types of pleasures, happinesses, dualities, and he's just dreaming and distress in his sleeping condition. Yeah. Ah, so if we reread the, the text, right. right, and we kind of change some of the words, does it make more sense? So if we say, what is ignorance for all beings is the time of knowledge for the self-control. Oh, I like that. And right. knowledge is like being awake, right? Right, it's so like for the time... woke. Yes, it's... We <laughs> woke. Like actually like spiritually woke That's though. right. <laughs> so to the kids, you say, wake up! Yeah. So so at the time... So I'm going to go ahead and say it again. Yeah. So what is ignorance for all beings is the time for knowledge for the self-controlled. And at the time of knowledge for all beings is ignorance for the introspective sage. Right. So that second part could almost mean that time of knowledge might be like that that elusive knowledge that right. every man has. So like what they think knowledge is, uh, exactly. is actually ignorance to an introspective man. Right, because mm-hmm. it's misguided knowledge. It's kind of saying like they're dreaming. They think this is knowledge, that's knowledge. If Ooh. I gain wealth, it's knowledge. Guys, I got to say, I did not understand the text until just now. Right? So that's why I wanted to go through it. I wanted to go through it because it is difficult, but it does make a lot of sense. Yeah. It it actually makes so much more sense now. Love it. Like replacing those words. I'm like, oh, yeah. Because people, everyday life, people think I got to get that job. I got to get that promotion. I get all of that. Mm. But the introspective uh, man or sage knows that that is actually not knowledge. Yeah, yeah, it's so poetic how Prabhupada words that the materialistic man who's dreaming varieties of pleasure is sometimes distressed in his sleeping condition. It is a sleeping condition. And right when you find this knowledge, you're like, oh my God, I've been asleep my whole life and now I'm finally awake. Yeah, it says the introspective mind goes on with his self-realization activities undisturbed by material reactions. Mm. See, I love that we dissected that. Beautiful. That was really nice. For years I did. I understand that. (laughs) All righty. Text 70. Shama? All right. A person who is not disturbed by the incessant flow of desires that enters like rivers into the ocean, which is ever being filled but is always still, can alone achieve peace and not the man who strives to satisfy such desires. Okay. Right. Can, I, can I give an example from like the incessant flow of desires, right? Yeah. They enter like rivers into an ocean. So like we were trying to um, add furniture furniture to our house mm-hmm. and I wanted one thing. And then after I got that one thing, I wanted another thing. And I was like, oh, and then I get this couch and I got to put this frame above this couch mm-hmm. and I got to get this plant. And then I got to put this thing, that the, the lamp that matches the couch. And I was like, it was incessant flow of needing things right. and desiring things. And it just happens all the time. We just, once we get that one thing, we you just know, want another thing after that. You're giving a very real example to what I was going to bring up that I remember ages ago, ago in a class at at Santa Monica College in a micro macroeconomics class, there was a concept that kind of said this, that when we gain a material thing, it's only a certain amount of time to the point where we're over it and we want a new shiny toy, yeah. right? Yeah, that's so yep, real. Yep, yep. So exactly. Yeah, it says here in the port, although the vast ocean is always filled with water, it is always, especially during the rainy season, being filled with much more water. But the ocean remains the same, steady. Right. It is not agitated, nor does it cross beyond the limit of its brink. Mm. That is also true of a person fixed in Krishna consciousness. Beautiful, right. It says as long as one has a material body, we're going to have demands, sense gratification. We want that. But the devotee is not disturbed, just like that ocean, by such desires. 
He remains satisfied in the transcendental loving service of the Lord. He can be steady like the ocean and therefore enjoy full peace. Mm. Understanding that like all this materialism doesn't bring us happiness is half of the battle, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. It, it, really, it really is. It right? is. So you know yeah. what? If anything, the next time bad thing after bad thing keeps happening, like the movie, a series of unfortunate events, if anything, it's just pushing you to realize more of the nature of this world that we're just passengers here. We're kind of coming for a brief moment, learning some lessons and leaving. We don't want to stay here and just build those sandcastles forever because... We're going to be real disappointed if we think that's going to be forever. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like uh, these desires, if they come by, you're like, nope, don't eat this one. Nope, don't this one. The idea of like not being <laughs> disturbed. In case you disturbed. can't see Priya, she's like ping-ponging them away. Like, you know, I think I'm we sorry. both, we're very visual with our hands. Yeah. So I love it because she's like ping-ponging. Don't eat this. Don't eat that. Smack that ball. Right. So to be able to be steady and to not be disturbed, we also have to kind of be like, okay, I understand there's a desire coming my way, but I can push it away. And say, don't need this one today. Don't need the, this uh, 30th chair or <laughs> table I do or have a lot of chairs, painting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So the devotee of Krishna has no material desires and therefore they are in perfect peace. Peace being the key word. Already, text 71. A person who has given up all desires for sense gratification who lives free from desires, who has given up all sense of proprietorship and is devoid of false ego, he alone can attain real peace. Right. Again, It's a summary of everything that we've been talking mm-hmm. about, right? right? Giving up those desires, understanding that, you know, we're not the ego and then understanding the importance of peace and how that comes about. Right, yeah, it right. kind of summarizes it here too by saying, to understand one's actual position as the eternal ser- servitor of Krishna without false claiming this material body to be oneself and without falls. Oh, Krishna, let me try it. Shamali, take it away. No, I like what you, no, you're doing great. I was just with my fingers listing their bullet points almost. Okay, Keep okay. Going. Let me, bullet let me point do one and then okay. pause. To understand one's actual position as the eternal servitor of Krishna. Step one. Without falsely claiming this material body to be oneself. Step two. And without falsely claiming propri- propri- proprietorship. Thank you. Over anything in the world. Step three is the perfect stage of Krishna consciousness. Beautiful. Checklist summarized. <laughs> thank, you for, thank you for numbering those. That was, that was useful. <laughs> that was great. So like to say that in simpler words, yeah. to understand that Krishna is our supreme, one. Yeah. To understand that we're not this body. Right. Two. Yes. We're a and soul. to understand that nothing in this world belongs to us. Beautiful. It's all Krishna's. Yeah. It's, it's one of these three things are so difficult, but once we figure it out, mm. they, they can they can change our entire life. Yeah, right. we just have to remember we're part and parcel of Krishna. We're yeah. one like tiny drop of the ocean compared to the giant ocean. And so therefore we serve him. We understand we're not this body. Right. <laughs> so, that. you know, what? connecting to the story for Arjuna, there was no desire to fight. He wanted to run away. But for Krishna, in, to do it as an offering for Krishna, that same Arjuna fought to his best ability. So real desirelessness is desire for the satisfaction of Krishna, not some artificial, artificial attempt to abolish desire. So I love this next line says, the living entity cannot be desireless or senseless. He does have to change the quality though of his desires. Yeah. Mm. We can't we can't walk around and be like, I don't need anything. I don't, I don't need anything. anything. Don't desire- yeah. it's, it's foolish <laughs> to on. think that we could do Wake that. Wake up. Yeah. We just have to change the quality. We just have to dovetail it. Dovetail it. So ladies, 
we're about to enter the final text of chapter two, which has been eternal. It's a very long chapter, <laughs> but thank you so much for following along with us. Yeah. Uh, I actually can't believe we're done with chapter two. Oh, oh my God. It's oh. 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 Take it away. Take it away. All right. Text 72. That is the way of the spiritual and godly life after attaining which a man is not bewildered. Oh. That is the way of the spiritual and godly life after attaining which a man is not bewildered. If one is thus situated even at the hour of death, one can enter into the kingdom of God. Oh my God. Okay, that's a big line because you know that what? That last line, yeah. Death is something everyone fears on a material yes. level. But if you practice this path of bhakti... You're preparing for the biggest ultimate test, which is the end of our life. And there's been a lot of checklists in chapter two, a right? A lot of so checklists. Krishna is talking and kind of summarizing this. Is if you follow this path, which I've laid out for you, you're not going to be bewildered. You're not going to be scared. Yeah. Right. And, and it's... Oh. You go want, ahead, go ahead. <laughs> it says, according to Buddhist philosophy, there is only void after the completion of this material life. But in the Bhagavad Gita, it teaches differently. Actual life begins after the completion of this material life. Right, right. Another, another line that I like is there's no difference between the kingdom of God, which is what we've, heaven essentially, right? Mm -hmm. And devotional service of the Lord. Ooh. So we can Ooh. actually do devotional service in this life and do things for Krishna. We can and it's the same as heaven. We can attain the kingdom of God in this life. Is that what you're saying, Shama? Yes. <laughs> they say since to be engaged in the transcendental loving service of the Lord is to have already attained the spiritual kingdom. The ultimate loophole, huh? Mm. Yeah. And, like and it. Mm -hmm. tying it to the beginning of the purport, one can attain Krishna consciousness or divine life at once in a second, or one may not attain it in such a state of life. Life, even after millions of births. So it's literally just up to our consciousness. It can happen in just a moment. Yeah. So that last line of the text says, if one is thus situated, even at the hour of death, then one can enter the kingdom of God. That's just the idea. And we'll also talk more about this as the chapters go on. The idea that the last few thoughts, the last few thoughts that you have when you are in the last stages of consciousness impact how your next life or your next body will be, whether it's spiritual or material or where you're going. And That's it can really pivot big. and happen in a second. Attainment can happen in this life immediately. That's really big what you just said, Priya, because it's basically the Bhakti Yoga philosophy has this notion that like whatever you think of right before you die is That's the life it. that you attain. Mm -hmm. So right. if you're thinking, oh, I love my dog. I love my dog. I love my dog. Cinnabon, and then, Cinnabon. Or like, <laughs> you may not turn into a cinnamon, but, <laughs> but if you think, I love my dog. I love my dog. I love my right. dog. And at the moment of death, you're still thinking about your dog. That essentially you turn, you become a dog in your next life right. because that's where your consciousness was at the end. Right. So if you think Krishna at the last breath that you have, then you might attain the spiritual kingdom. Beautiful. So hopefully now that we've outlined the contents of the Gita summarized, we can all strive to attain the kingdom of God and Krishna in this very lifetime. Thank you so much for listening to us for Thank chapter two. You. We know it was a very long chapter. But you but followed along. And we hope you enjoyed every part of it. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you so much for listening, everybody. In our next episode, we are going to start with chapter three. Bum, bum, bum. Tune in next time. Thanks See so much, everybody. Bye. Hello, 
beautiful souls. If you like what you're hearing, please follow us on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast. And if you love what you're hearing, please make sure to share a link to our podcast at Modern Yogi Podcast with all your friends, families, and long lost cousins. And if you have any questions at all, send us a DM on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you. Thank you for listening to The, the Modern, Modern Yogi. Yogi.